Well, hello, Northside family. Great to be with you today. And this is the most patriotic shirt I had in my closet. So I wanted to bring it out this weekend and celebrate 4th of July with you. Hopefully you're having a great time this weekend. And uh, if you're doing a watch party right now, we want to give you a shout out and say thanks for hosting a watch party. And watch parties are simply an opportunity. We're asking you uh, to invite people over to your house if you feel comfortable with that. Could be some friends or families, even some neighbors to come around and watch this service. And so if you're doing this uh, right now, we just want to say thanks because we know uh, our hope and plan right now is that we will be opening our campus once again on August 8th and 9th. And so for the next couple weekends, we want to invite you uh, to host some of these watch parties. And we also want to remind you, if you don't feel comfortable yet gathering by August 8th and 9th, we are going to be streaming every service online. So don't worry. Uh, You just need to know that whenever you're ready to return after August 8th and 9th, we'll be ready Uh, for you and we'll also be supplying this online. Uh, But today we wrap up our series called Deal With It because it is dealing with you as we've been walking through the book of Philippians. And today we're going to be talking about financial conflict. It's amazing about God's word and how time, it's timeless. It just speaks into today. And this is why we follow God's word. This is why we follow Jesus is because the Bible actually says the word of God is living and active. And today we're going to be talking about our financial conflict because Paul talks about his financial conflict in Philippians chapter 4. And here's the deal. A lot of us, especially in this country, are dealing with financial conflict. You know, when over 40 million people have faced unemployment or been furloughed and you look at the numbers rising around the world and they're dealing with that, all sorts of questions come into our mind. This is what's so hard about leadership right now. It is really, you can only plan for like next week or in two years when we have a vaccine and there's a little bit of normal maybe that's come back. But between that, who knows? And in the middle of that, you ask yourself these questions. At least I've heard people say that is, will I have enough? Do I have enough? What's the fall going to look like? I know we've got through this season, but is it going to be worse in the fall financially? Will I have enough for my kids for college? I was planning on retiring in the fall. Will I have enough to retire now? And the what if questions and the financial questions, they come over and over again. Matter of fact, this week, I got to talk with one of my mentors, ministry mentors. I just got several people who I keep close to me to keep speaking truth in my life. And they are veterans of ministry. They have lived and followed Jesus for years and years and years. Being a young guy, I need as much wisdom as I can get from people who have blazed the trail before me. And Chris Mavity, one of my favorite mentors, he called and we caught up this week for an hour. And I just asked him, I said, Chris, how are you processing this, my man? You know, you're in a whole nother season of life and you're thinking about and retirement's coming up and, and what, what is God telling you? And he said, one of the best illustrations I've ever heard about how he's processing and it was kind of the craziest illustration. He said, you know how I'm processing all of this, Nate? He says, here's what comes to mind. We're in a NASCAR crash. And I'm like, well, I've never heard a preaching illustration with NASCAR, but here we go. Bring it on, Chris, what do you got? He said, you know what happens? And he goes, I'm not talking like a little NASCAR crash. He goes, we are in one of those like 20 or 30 car pileup NASCAR crashes. I said, I still don't get it, man. You got, you got to keep teasing this out. He goes, you know what happens? He goes, they're going over 200 miles an hour. And as soon as somebody hits, everything goes up in the air. Cars go flying. Oil starts leaking all over the track. Debris, gasoline. 
And he says, and you go from over 200 miles an hour to a dead stop. And everybody has to come out and clean the track. And then he says this, and then a pace car comes out and you can only go 50 miles an hour. And he said, these machines that were built to go 230 miles an hour are just traveling around the track at a minimum speed. He said, but what happens is this, after a little while, it starts warming up their tires because they're gonna go 200 miles an hour again. And then he said this, he said, but the only way that the cars can finish the race is if they decided to stop and pit, deal with the issues, put on new tires, fill up the gas tank, remove the debris, deal with what's wrong, and then go back out on the track. I said, Chris, I've never really understood NASCAR before, but I feel like I do now, my man. And what a great illustration of what life is that you and I have been running at over 200 miles an hour a lot of times in life. And what's been so hard is we are running at a pace and a race that we've never ran before. And everything feels disorienting. And we wonder, is this gonna be the pace forever? And we wanna get back to the pace that we were running, but we can't and there's obstacles and there's fears and there's worries. But the way you and I move forward is what we allow Jesus to deal with And if we will take a pit stop with him and to begin to deal with what is dealing with us. And the beautiful thing about God's word is this, it deals with the things that are dealing with us. Matter of fact, if you look at Philippians chapter four, the way that Paul ends this passage in verses 14 through 20, he deals with his own financial conflict. You know, sometimes we believe that, you know, all these people who are in the Bible, I bet they had no problems. They just went around doing all sorts of revivals and all sorts of miracles. And they were all just, they had all sorts of money. And that's not what we find. Remember, Paul was in prison. And this is what I want us to remind ourselves, even about Jacob talked about this last week and about contentment. And we have to learn contentment in this time. And I love his phrase. He said this, he said, contentment is more about what is in you than what is around you. Paul had to deal with that, that his circumstances were not the best, but he learned how to be content. And let me remind you, you know what the word disciple means? When we say we are disciples of Jesus, it simply means this, learner. That you and I are learners of Jesus. So if you, if you feel like you don't have life together today, welcome, one, welcome to the club. And two, get ready for Jesus to speak into your life. Listen what Paul tells them in Philippians chapter 4, Verses 14 through 20, he talks about his own financial conflict that he has in his life. He says this in verse 14, right after 13, where he says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And we love to quote that and we love to tattoo that. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And then listen what he says right after. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. I can do all things and yet I am facing trouble. And he goes on to say this, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, with Jesus, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you. You know how hard and defeating that must have been for Paul? 
All right, God, I hear this calling on my life. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to set out from Macedonia. I'm going to go share the gospel with the world. And he goes, shares, and he writes letters to these churches. Would you guys support me? And nobody supports them. You ever have that moment where you step out in faith to Jesus and Jesus doesn't match your timeline? And then Paul says this to the church in Philippi, nobody shared in this giving except only you. And he goes on to say this, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. And not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. He's saying, I'm not asking for more offering. You guys have blessed me. You guys have been generous to me. Thank you. Because oftentimes people haven't, but again and again, you have blessed me. You have come around me. And then he says this to him. He says, I have received full payment and even more. And I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. We're going to talk about what does that generosity look like and what does that mean? And then he shares this. Here's the line about how he navigates his financial conflict. And I want us to pay attention to verse 19. Oftentimes we only pay attention to verse 13 and we need to, that you and I can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. But we need to pay attention to verse 19 as well. And he says this, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let me read that again for us. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's a big idea I want us to kind of grab hold of today is simply this. We can do all things through Christ because we believe Christ supplies all things. We can do all things that Christ calls us to because we believe Christ supplies all things. This is the glorious riches that Paul talks about. He is in prison. He's had churches not come around him. The church in Philippi at times were the only church that gave to him that furthered the mission of God. And he's in this financial conflict, but this is what he knows. He goes, here's how I'm gonna navigate my financial conflict. Not only can I do all things through Christ, but I am very aware, I am very aware that it is Christ who supplies all things. Everything I have is a gift from God. Matter of fact, most of us were even worried even before COVID hit, if you and I were gonna have enough. Matter of fact, my wife and I, we talked about that. Okay, now we got three kids. How are we going to pay for college, right? I've talked to some friends who have a bunch of kids and they've just flat out told them like, you can either have a wedding or go to college. You pick, right? And this is all pre-COVID. Now here's the deal. I think what COVID's done is this. Yes, it has caused a bunch of distress and trouble. And we are praying for those and we are praying for a vaccine. We are praying for doctors and nurses. But I think what it's also done to us a lot is it's brought to the surface what was already deep in our souls, And it's made us deal with the conflict that was already there. Paul knows, here's how I'm going to deal with my financial conflict because he knows he is going to live constantly with this tension. You and I, we just need to get used to having financial conflict in our lives. 
It's not going to go away. It is going to be every day. And it's not just that we're going to be in a place of financial conflict. It's going to be that our souls are going to wrestle with this. That our souls are going to have problems with this. But this is why we've got to pay attention to what Paul says here when he says, and my God will meet all of your needs. Did you realize he didn't say God's going to meet all of your wants? I think sometimes our conflict comes because God is not giving us what we want, but he is giving us what we need. And what we need comes through Jesus. Matter of fact, I want you to really write this down because I forget this and I fall into temptation about wondering if I'm gonna have enough and I gotta earn it and I'm afraid and I let possessions begin to be more, much more of a priority in my life than sometimes Jesus. And here's what I have to come back to over and over again. And when I remember what Paul is saying here about Jesus being our glorious riches is this, that your greatest need and my greatest need is actually spiritual, not physical. I'm not saying we don't need food and water to survive. That's humanity. What I'm saying is your greatest need, my greatest need beyond food and water and shelter in this world is actually spiritual. It's spiritual. See, this is why Jesus has come. This is why Paul says, here's how I navigate financial conflict in my life is I know my God will meet all of your needs according to his glory riches in Christ Jesus. Matter of fact, Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 13 when he talks about the parable of the soil. And what he's talking about is how your life and my life can flourish despite the conflict you and I have. Listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 13. If you remember the story, he talks about this farmer who goes out and he throws the seed to grow crops and he throws it over here and it's basically concrete and so the seed doesn't even take. Then he talks about different things and then he talks about when the seed takes root among the thorns of life. And listen how Jesus says you and I experience. He says this in Matthew chapter 13 verse 22. He said, the one received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man or the woman who hears the word, who hears about Jesus, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. You know, what's interesting is this word that Jesus uses here for wealth is the same word that Paul uses here for riches. And what Jesus is getting at is this, you and I are gonna be tempted to allow physical things to meet and satisfy our heart. When he says, actually, that will never happen. Matter of fact, the more we pursue wealth, he says the deceitfulness, which actually the word for Satan is deceiver. This is what Satan's going to do. He is going to use finances. He is going to use everything in our life. And I'm not even talking about a lot. I'm talking about even anything outside of Jesus to begin to convince us that it will satisfy our heart. If I can just have enough, all of my problems are going to go away. I'm telling you, there will never be enough. Matter of fact, this is why Jesus, right after he feeds the 5,000 in John chapter six, he begins to talk about this. He feeds them so he can actually feed them what they need. He begins to talk to him and he says, you know what, this bread that I've given you, actually I'm the bread that comes down from heaven. I'm what your heart and your soul actually needs. You wanna know how you're gonna navigate your financial conflict? Because you and I, we're never gonna leave it. So we just gotta understand that we are always gonna deal with it. Or it's going to deal with us. And here's the thing. He says this in John chapter 6, verse 33. 
He says, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. That's what Jesus does. He comes down from heaven and he gives life to us. You and I, our greatest need in our life is spiritual. It's not physical. Yes, we have physical needs. This is why Paul's talking about thank you for supplying that or else he won't be able to eat and drink and stay alive. Thank you, but he deeply knows his greater need is spiritual. And Jesus says, this bread comes down from heaven and it gives life to the world. And the people said this, sir, they said to Jesus, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. And he who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. See, we believe we can do all things because we believe that Christ supplies all things, that he is the bread of life, that he is the one who meets our heart's deepest spiritual needs. You know why we have financial conflict? Because we have spiritual conflict in our life. Matter of fact, he goes on to say this in Ephesians chapter one, Paul writes this to the church and he's reminding them about how Jesus meets their deepest needs. Listen to what he says in Ephesians chapter one, verses three through eight. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Check this out. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Did you know that when you became a Christian, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing? You are blessed with his grace and his mercy and his love and his forgiveness and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He has blessed you. See, this is how we are to be a blessing. You and I are to understand, first of all, that we are blessed with every spiritual, not with every physical, but with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He goes on to say this to him, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That is his, that is his calling for us. And he did this in love. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of, here it is, of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. The riches, the unending, the never running out, the only thing in this world that makes you new, the only thing that can actually change you, the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. See, here's the beauty of God's grace. He doesn't just meet some of our needs or those people who deserve it. James, Jesus's half brother actually says this grace changes everybody, the poor and the rich, those who have a lot and those who have a little. Matter of fact, listen what James says about this. He addresses our deep spiritual need. Listen what he says in James chapter one, verse nine through 10. He said, the brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. He goes, if you don't have anything in this world, if you might consider yourself poor, or maybe you do, but you never think you do. Isn't it amazing? We never have met, I've never met somebody who goes, oh, dude, I am filthy rich. We never, none of us say that, right? Jesus says this, or Paul, James says this, the brother in humble circumstances, those who don't have a lot in this world actually ought to take pride in his high position and the glorious grace of Jesus. This is what defines you. You may have absolutely nothing. And yet because you have Jesus, you have absolutely everything. 
He goes on to say this, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wildflower. James says this, that you may be rich, you may have a lot of stuff. And he's saying this, be careful. Don't take your pride in that. Don't put your identity in that. Here's what you do. If you have a lot of stuff, here's what you do. You take pride in your low position. You take pride that you're going, you know what? I have a bunch of things, but man, what I have and what I do does not save me. It is only by the glorious grace of Jesus that I'm saved. You see how this changes everything? This changes for the poor that now they have been made rich because the world can use and abuse and chuck them to the side. And the grace comes in and it goes, no, you are priceless. You are saved. So take pride in your high position, even if you have nothing. And if you have a lot of stuff, man, take pride in your low position that you are a sinner in need of grace so that your stuff doesn't define you. Now, some of you are going, Nate, I love that, but man, I, how do I do that? I mean, how do I become rich in Christ? I love the thought. I, I love all this stuff. You know how you and I become rich in Christ? Jesus gives us the secret in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. This is what he tells us to do. You know how you and I become rich in Christ? We've got to become poor in ourselves first. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are you who become poor in this whole place of going, God, I know who I am and I'm not gonna let all these other things try to save me. I'm gonna become poor in spirit going, no, God, it's not that you just think of yourself worse and like you're no good. No, no, you're made in the image of God. What you know is this, no, God, I can't save myself. And you know what Jesus says? Blessed are you when you come to that point because here's what happens. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You wanna experience the riches of God's glorious grace in your life? Become poor in yourself. Don't look for yourself to save you. Don't look for your good works to save you. Don't look around. Man, continue to look to Jesus, he says, because here's what happens. I give you my kingdom. My kingdom will overwhelm you. I love what the hymn says in Rock of Ages. I love this phrase where it says, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Ah, Jesus, I bring you nothing. I'm just emptying myself out. And he goes, good, because now I want to fill you with my kingdom. Matter of fact, this is what he tells us to do. As soon as we, say, we pour ourselves out, we go, no, Jesus, you're going to save me. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says, here's what you do. If you want to continue to experience the riches of my kingdom in your life, he says, seek first my kingdom and his righteousness, God's righteousness. And then this is what he says, and all these things will be added to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and God is gonna provide and take care of it. Oh, it might not be the way that we want. Paul's in prison waiting for people to help support him. And man, I'm wondering if there's some nights he went to bed without dinner going, Lord, did they forget me? Lord, did you forget me? Here's the beauty. The kingdom of God never forgets us. The kingdom of God comes around us. See, this is the beauty of the riches of Christ. The riches of Christ actually supply a generous heart. The riches of Christ, not only does it come in and save us and meets our deepest needs, it actually begins to overflow and it gives us, because here's the thing, we all wanna be generous, don't we? We don't wanna be known as stingy. We don't wanna be known as faithless people. We wanna be known as faithful people. 
But here's the thing, it's the riches of Christ that creates this heart of generosity in our heart and our life. This is why I love what Paul says. He goes, it was good of you to share in my troubles. This is why you and I just can't sit on our couch and watch service online for the rest of our lives. We can't just be the church by ourselves. We are to be the church together. Even though we can't meet in this place, man, we are to come around one another. He says, it is good for you to share in my troubles. Matter of fact, he didn't say that one time. He says, again and again, you have shared in my troubles. And he even says, here's what offering looks like. This fragrant, man. And when he says this fragrant offering, he says three things here. He says that you gave this fragrant offering that was an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Let me talk about the generosity that God wants to create in your life. Because a lot of times when it comes to financial conflict, we go, I want to be generous. I just, ah, again, we don't know if we can. You know what it looks like to be generous? One, he says, it's pure. See, when he says it's a fragrant offering, what it means is it doesn't stink. It's pure. Meaning it's God, I trust you with this. I'm only going to give what you've called me to give. I'm not giving out of guilt. I'm not giving to get. God, I'm going to give you this and you better give me a nicer car. That's, that's not a fragrant, that's not pure. That's bribery. But he also says this, acceptable. That's what Paul tells the church in Philippi. He goes, man, your generosity, what God is doing in your life, the way that you give, it is acceptable. It is good, meaning this, when you give, you're not giving to make up for your wrongdoing. You're not giving to get God maybe off your back or to get God on your side. That's not why we give. He's going, what happens is you're giving because of the glorious riches of Christ Jesus in your life. That God is moving in your life. And he says this, and it's pleasing to God. Hebrews 11, chapter, Hebrews 11, verse 6 says this, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. See, when you and I are generous, the generosity always starts with God first, doesn't start with us. Matter of fact, I know over the last couple months, some of you I've had a chance to talk to, you're going, Nate, I, I, I'm unemployed right now and I want to give, but I just can't and I've got to provide and I got more. You could, oh, can I just, for those of you who it has been an unbelievably turbulent three months, maybe even longer, and you're going, Nate, I want to do this stuff, but I, I just can't be as generous as I, can I just kind of take the guilt off of you right now? God understands your situation. God knows what's going on in your heart and your life right now. See, we don't give to get God. God gave Jesus way before we gave anything to him. See, our whole life is lived out of response to the generosity of Jesus. Our whole way is actually about living the ways of Jesus. Matter of fact, that's why we did this whole series called Setting the Table. If you guys can even remember that far ago, because there's been so many things go on. But in Setting the Table, we said we're going to be about three things over the next two years. One, we're going to be about our mission of connecting unconnected people to Jesus Christ. And not only that, we're going to be about making room. We had grown over 20% in the last two years. We're busting at the scene. We're out of space. And we've put together some plans to renovate, to create more space. And then we said, we want to get ready for multiplication by retiring our debt and get ready to plant more churches and see what God has for us. And, and I just want to share some of the stuff. You guys have been so faithful through this past time. We didn't know what was going to happen. Talk about our own financial conflict. Who starts a campaign right before COVID? We did. I mean, we're just going, we never saw this coming. We're going, oh Lord, help us with this. And, and can I just celebrate with you guys? You guys have blown the doors off this place with your generosity. 
Not only just in your giving, but you guys have made over 4,400 masks to give away to hospitals. You guys have reached out and you've donated food and you've given away items and you have helped pay bills for people in our community who don't have resources. Matter of fact, because your generosity, uh, CIY, Christ and Youth, where we send our high school uh, students to, uh, they were on the brink of having to shut their doors. This is a ministry that ministers to over 80,000 teenagers every summer, 80,000 They've been around for 60 years and they had prepaid for everything. They have camps all across the country. And what happened was everything got shut down and nobody was gonna end up paying. And they went, we're gonna have to close. Imagine that on track for their most students reached ever and they're gonna have to close. The CEO, the leader of it, Jason French, who's actually spoke here before, he called when all this was happening. He said, Nate, he said, I just need your prayers. And I said, how can we help as a church? He said, well, here's the deal. He said, we're not gonna require anybody to give us their deposits. And I said, Jason, we will pay that. We will give back the deposits to the students and their parents if they need it, but we will at least give you all the deposits. We had over 250 kids going. I said, we will give you all those deposits and you let us know how we can help. I called them back because they're still going through their own financial conflict. Listen what he told me this week. I just checked in on him. Listen what he said. He texted me this. He said, if it wasn't for that original generosity of leaving deposits and Northside was one of the first, I stinking love you guys. We would not have made it through June. You all helped set the standard and others followed. The very fact that we can even raise money for the next phase is because of churches like Northside showing generosity. They still have to raise another 1.5 million to keep going into the next year. Their financial conflict's not over, but here's the deal, church. It was good for us to share in their troubles. This is what it looks like to be the church. Matter of fact, there was another missions organization that was on the brink of closing that we partner with as well. They had bought all the stuff for the summer. We were gonna be taking a big church trip with them in the fall. They had paid for everything. And then now all of the trips had to be canceled. And they're going, we're gonna be broke. And we said, no, we are gonna share in your troubles. This is what the church is made for because we know the glorious riches of Jesus and what he has provided us. And not only have we helped others, here's what's amazing. Over the last three months, this has actually been the most generous time in the history of our church family. You all are setting the table at a rate we didn't see coming. Matter of fact, for the building renovations, you guys have given above and beyond where we were supposed to be at right now. You guys have actually given. We've already met our budget with what we need right now. Things are doing well. We are helping be as generous as we can. But beyond that, you guys have helped set the table to make more room for the future because you guys have given beyond over $4 million for renovations already. You guys are unbelievable because you actually believe that Christ supplies all things.
Matter of fact, I got some pictures of where we're starting once we get our local permits together and all the bids are in. I wanna show you where we're starting. We're gonna kind of take a, a phase at a time. One is this, we're gonna start with our foundry. We were gonna do a couple other projects. We're just gonna start with the foundry right now once we get everything together. This is the foundry. It's the back building where our junior high and senior high have been in there. Other ministries are going there during the week as well. And we're gonna renovate all of our front green space and we're gonna expand the lobby. And then this is gonna be the inside. It's gonna be an amazing amazing venue uh, where students and others can gather together. This is going to help us as well during our social distancing that's going to continue on in the future to have another great environment like that. And all I got to say is this, thank you. Thank you for living out of the generosity that Jesus has given you. See, that's how we give. How we give is we step out by what Christ has done for us. We step out and we sponsor and help come along other ministry organizations. This is why Paul says it is good to share in each other's troubles. And you know why else? Because the riches of Christ supply a better story. See, when we start following Jesus and we start allowing Jesus to be in on our finances and not just in on our finances, but when we start letting Jesus meet our deepest need, which is actually a spiritual need, not just a physical need, spiritually, what happens is he starts writing a story that we couldn't write. It is a better story. I can't come up with these things that God is doing in the life of his church because it's the Holy Spirit who's doing it. Matter of fact, listen how Paul ends the letter in Philippians. Listen what he says in verse 21. He says, greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. And then listen to what he says. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Time out. Little quick history lesson. Nero is the ruler of Rome at this time. Just Google Nero. He was a bad dude killing Christians, feeding them to the lions, absolutely anti-Jesus and absolutely leading the richest, most powerful nation in the world at that time, which is the Roman Empire. And yet, and the wealthiest nation with the most power in the world were some of the most spiritually empty people. And Paul says, you know what's happening? I'm sharing Christ. This is what Paul talks about. He started sharing Christ with the prison guards because he believes everybody has a deeper spiritual need than even physical need and he wants to give them Jesus. And, and the prison guards start becoming followers of Jesus. He begins to start sharing with Christ with people who are in Caesar's household because they have everything, but yet they realize they have nothing because they don't have Jesus. And literally Caesar's household starts changing. And he says, all of this is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. May that be with your spirit, amen. Matter of fact, last uh, two weekends ago, I had an incredible moment. This is a story that we can't write other than God. Uh, but uh, one of the things that we have done during this whole COVID pandemic uh, was our staff and most, a lot of you came in and volunteered, but as a church staff, we called or contacted 6,217 of you to check in on you to see how you're doing because we share on each other's trouble. And one thing was this, we would ask, hey, how are you doing? Is there anything that we can do for you? And one of the phone calls, Diane Roan, one of our cafe workers, who's unbelievable staff person here, she made this phone call to this family and the dad said, yeah, actually, you know what? 
my three kids, we were talking about getting baptized before COVID hit. And here's what we want to do on Father's Day. He said, if you guys are okay with it, we want to come here on campus, sit out on the patio, watch the service with the kid's grandpa. And then when the service is over, surprise him and have him baptize all three of his grandkids. And they said, Nate, would you be a part of that? And I said, are you kidding me? This is unbelievable. I'm telling you, Jesus writes a story that you and I cannot write. And Dave Chanley, a couple weekends ago on Father's Day, I got a picture of him and his three grandkids. Dave Chanley had a chance to baptize them on Father's Day. Matter of fact, here's how the story went. They watched the sermon and, and the service out on the patio here at the church. And then when it was over, the dad turned to the kids and they said, kids, what do you think? Actually, matter of fact, it was Dave, the grandpa, who said, when we resume service, kids, I'm not, I'm not kidding, you can ask him. He said, grandkids, when we re resume service here at Northside, I really want you guys to think about being baptized. Dave's son looked at, their, at his kids and he said, kids, what do you think? And he said, at that moment, they all said, yeah, dad, I think that would be a great idea. And then at that moment, Dave's son said, matter of fact, why don't we just do it right now? And at that moment, Diane Roan, who had called that family, walked out of the cafe and said, right this way, and brought them in and they were baptized. The glorious riches of Jesus. Not only can we do all things, it's Jesus who supplies all things. You know, July 4th is actually really special for me because it was July 4th, 1992, that I was baptized. It was July 4th that I was set free from my sin in 1992. It was July 4th that the glorious riches of Christ Jesus, weird to say, 28 years ago, God came in and radically changed my life. Do I still have conflict? Do I still struggle? Do I still worry if I'm going to have enough? You better believe it. And does the riches of Christ overwhelm me every time? You better believe it. You better believe it. See, it's not just that we can do all things through Christ. It is Christ who supplies all things. And I want to offer you the invitation that I had 28 years ago to simply let Jesus be your all, to let Jesus save you and lead you in a new way forward. Right now, this was just a simple thing. If you know you need to give your life to the Lord, if you know if you know, you're going, no, I've been chasing everything. I've been putting my hope in everything else except Jesus. And you're going, no, I'm realizing my deepest need is a spiritual need. One, I'm going to pray for you here in a moment. And then I'm going to ask you to simply text in the word accept to 41411. If today you just need to accept this glorious riches of Christ Jesus, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Let today be the day of your freedom. 
Let today be the day that everything begins to be made new. In the midst of Paul's financial conflict, the kingdom of God was breaking loose in Rome. In the midst of your financial conflict, the kingdom and the riches of Jesus wants to break loose and set you free. And so right now, let's pray that together. And then our team has put together an unbelievable video as we wrap up this series in Philippians because the grace of God calls us to go and be the light of God to this world. So let me pray for you right now. If you're coming to that point where you're going, I know I need my life to be changed. I know I need to be baptized and become a follower of Jesus today. Let me pray for you and for us right now. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the example that you give us in your word, that even though the apostle Paul, who we put sometimes on a pedestal and we think is so different from us, that God, he dealt with the same issues we deal with. And Father, right now, for those of us who are wondering, God, how are we going to make it? Father, I pray right now they would be overwhelmed with your presence, the glorious riches of your grace, Jesus. Father, I'm asking and praying by the power of your spirit, your kingdom would be unleashed through your church. That, Father, we would seek those who it is good to share in their troubles, that, Father, we wouldn't just think of ourselves in this time, but, God, we would begin to look around. We would begin to listen, Father, how you want to move in and through this place. Because, Jesus, we know that not just through you can we do all things, but we believe that it's you who supplies all things. So, Father, help us today to rest in you. Help us not to rest in any of our possessions or any of our stuff or anything else, Father, whether it's expensive or not. God, help us to rest in you this weekend. For you set our hearts free. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. And all this said, amen. Hey, we're proud of you. If you've texted that in or you're following Jesus today, take a listen to this video and may it inspire you to be the light that God has called the church to be through Jesus. God bless you this weekend.